Welcome to the Zoologist's Campfire, the podcast where animal professionals share their best, funniest, and most epic stories. Today, I am joined by Michael Jowers, a biologist with, I think, the best specialization you can think of. Uh, pay attention here, kids. This is how you do it. You specialize in, drumroll, tropical islands. My Michael got his PhD from the University of Glasgow, but has since spent many years chasing reptiles and amphibians and lots of other animals around the Caribbean, South America, and many other places. He described 16 species new to science. He has written close to 100 articles, book chapters, and even field guides. Uh, he is now at the University of Granada in Spain. So, Mike, welcome. Thank you very much, Eric. Lovely to <laughs> be here with you. Well, before Having we get into your stories, which I know are fantastic, I just called you a tropical island specialist, but you actually do a lot more. Uh, can you perhaps briefly tell us what you do as a biologist and how you how you got into it? That's a great question and a difficult one to answer, to be honest, because uh, I'm intrigued by most things and therefore I've never had a very constant line of research. Um, but let's say that I used uh, genetics or molecular markers to identify species. And uh, very often species are cryptic. And through genetics, we can clarify if instead of one species is more than one. So this is kind of what I do. And most of the times you end up finding new species that sometimes thought to be actually quite common or widespread. Mm -hmm. When you do this in islands, because animals become isolated, um, you end up finding a lot of new species for science. So this is kind of what I do. Right. right. It has. <laughs> That's how you find all those new species, because, yeah, you have a lot to, to your name. That's really cool. Most of the time, some of the times we actually do find with our collaborators new species. Mm. But many other times are just... Um, unknown species let's say right so this right. is what we try to do and it has huge conservation implications of course yeah and and of course you enjoy going to all these uh these beautiful countries and and and, and finding them chasing them ah, is that, of course, that's uh, the, that's is that the something part. you fell, fell into or is that uh ingrained actually actually i i grew up in southern spain in seville and uh my desire to become a zoologist just uh, began at a very early age um, by the nature surrounded where I used to live. I, me and my brother lived with my mother, and uh, she had a country house. And then at the time, it was, it was not very built up. So we would just spend our um, childhood riding our bikes and looking for reptiles and amphibians because they were everywhere in southern Spain. Yeah. Big lizards, many snakes, uh, turtles all over the place. So my mother actually donated her big yard, the <laughs> garden, for us to actually have animals. Kind of like, uh, you know, Gerald Darrow in Corfu, you know, his, his upbringing. Yeah, I know the and we ended up having a pond that we built ourselves. Like we were maybe 10, 11 years of age. We had 200 turtles. We had 
<laughs> uh, you name it, we had it. And this is how we had it. I even had a cayman. Really? Yeah, I donated it to the zoo. Obviously, uh, nowadays, I, I, I do not believe that people should have exotic animals. But at the time, I was quite you know, mm. young and fascinated by the... They're so beautiful, and I had a monitor that's a big one. Mm-hmm. And there's some, some you know, chipmunks or ferrets or <laughs> anything. I would just, and it was known as the zoo. People would come round and and just walk in the garden to see all our animals. We had headshots really? and yeah, but and that's how it started. <laughs> that obviously the only progression, uh, viable progression from there was. Um, to become a zoologist. And my mum, when I was growing up, um, she would often say that uh, I I learned uh, very uh, quickly never to open a box or a drawer <laughs> unless uh, I knew what was, what was inside because sometimes you would have scorpions or lots of snakes and things mm. like that. So she was very wary of opening anything in the house. There's always a some creepy crawly running around. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I started. And obviously I progressed to do biology because that's the only thing I wanted to do my whole life. It's a yeah. natural progression. And yeah. doing expeditions is just kind of a more sophisticated thing than what I used to do when I was a child, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you get into it, you never get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um and and you have gone all over the place, uh, and as I said, you've you've picked your your regions very wisely. The Caribbean, not bad, um, and you even worked on scorpions uh, that, uh, of course, are some of my favorites. Right, uh, right. Have favorites, but uh, absolutely. And uh, you had some adventures with scorpions in Trinidad, what? I believe, right? Yeah, in the island of Trinidad, where I spent overall. Over like three expeditions, uh, over a year there, mm. all in all, um, I was working on amphibians, and uh, well, this this professor flew from Venezuela. I mean, Trinidad is very close to Venezuela. The Republic of Trinidad Tobago is just basically a, a stone throw away from from northern Venezuela, and he wanted to capture these scorpions, which are found in Trinidad, very very dangerous scorpion called Titius trinitatis. Oh, yeah. And we'll spend the nights with UV lamps, black lights, trying to find the titus. But we actually never found at the time the titus. We found many species, but not this one. And um, it was very hard to find. And we wanted to is- we- capture some live specimens to isolate the venom gland and to the amino acid composition of the venom. Um, but basically, after quite a long time, Time, we managed to find a couple of large individuals. Oh, the professor had already left, and he given me instructions how to euthanize the scorpions to extract mm-hmm. the venom gland to preserve the the glands. And uh, you have to bear in mind that these expeditions we we used to go with undergrad students to Trinidad twenty at a time. Okay, and it's a big group. <laughs> a big group, yes, mm. yes. And obviously, I'm not a scorpion expert as yourself. I <laughs> so I had very detailed instructions what to do and what not to do. And I thought, well, well, this is a great opportunity to show my students how it's done. 
Obviously, I've never done it myself before. <laughs> I have never touched such a venomous scorpion ever. So I was very worried and actually quite nervous. You know, it's like like dealing with a very venomous snake. Mm -hmm. So here we are. We have a communal living room and a kitchen. It's very big. It's uh, off campus at the University of the West Indies. It's very basic, but we have everything we need. As you may be aware, it's extremely hot. And uh, so all the students are in swimsuits, um, oh, barefooted, nice. they're all barefooted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, you know, they're just, uh, and we have this big dining table. So I have my scorpions there in this Tupperware. And I have these tweezers to, to grab the, <laughs> to grab the scorpion, the first scorpion. All mm -hmm. those students come around, come along. Everybody's just putting their head into the Tupperware. I'm surrounded by students barefooted everywhere. And I'm just telling them, no, this is extremely dangerous. This is a very <laughs> toxic animal, you know, venomous animal. You know, mm -hmm. if you get stung by this, you may even die. God knows. And so all the students are like, wow. And, you know, so I'm going to show you how to euthanize this thing. I think we had to put it in warm water at the time or something. And sure. Yeah, so basically, work. I just mm -hmm. grabbed these tweezers and try and grab the scorpion by the tail for whatever reason this this big scorpion just curls back on me on the tweezers just and with his pincers just yeah. starts getting my hand and <gasps> i'm very not, short tweezers <laughs> yeah very short tweezers uh, or just basically i just didn't grab it properly mm. and this thing just kind of released itself. I just, maybe the tweezers were not the right ones. <laughs> yeah. There's this scorpion on the table. And to my amazement, this thing runs like a lizard. It's so fast. So it starts running down the table and jumps out. Imagine the students, which are barefooted and without... <laughs> everybody run. Everybody's running in opposite directions and... I remember this student, like he was a big guy. He actually jumped and hugged the fridge and he was hanging to the <laughs> fridge. <laughs> it's hilarious. I thought, oh oh God, this fridge is going to fall on top of him. And then I don't know how it happened. Two other scorpions, somebody hit the container. There's three scorpions running around. Everybody's one is on the chair, another one is on the couch, another one. <laughs> we can't find the bloody things. Anyways, and I thought, oh, my God, they were so close to having, you know, such a bad accident. Obviously, we, we managed to find them. It took us, like, about 10 minutes because mm -hmm. they, they run, you know, somewhere in the kitchen yeah. under the pots. and They go under something. and Yeah, yeah. yeah some of the students were still shaking for a while. And it was, it was hilarious. You had to be there to see that. I was like, oh, my Lord. I nearly killed a student or two, you know. So anyway, that's my, oh. <laughs> my first encounter with a very dangerous scorpion. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> I won't do it again, I promise. No, the tweezer <laughs> thing is very familiar because... If you grab a, a scorpion, you know its tail bends one way, and if you if you grab it by with tweezers uh, perpendicular to the direction of movement, you're fine. Nothing can happen. But if you grab it in the direction of movement, it can just flip itself right. away, and it will launch into you know the next person or your face or something like that. Well, kind of that's what's what happened. I think 
But I, my, my, I didn't know Scorpius was so fast. Like, this mm. was so, so mad. This thing wanted to get out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, Christ. Anyway, so, yeah. So, that was a, a lucky escape, I'd say. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the chances of getting stung are not huge, but uh, okay. I can imagine that the students, after being told by you, like, this is the most yeah, dangerous. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so dramatic, you know, like, oh... <laughs> Uh, um, the image of somebody climbing the fridge. No, that was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> hugging like just floating, and you know, he's floating in the air, just hugging this big fridge. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but in the end, the scorpions uh, uh, were used for science. Let's call it that way. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm. of course they were. They were the venom glass and the tissue samples were shipped to Venezuela. And they they got some really nice scientific papers out of them so, yeah, yeah i saw i saw your papers on them of course okay <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool to know the story behind it yeah yeah because <laughs> you know there's this very dry paper title you know the peptides in the da 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 da, da and, right and then the, this is behind it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that was some published right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay yeah so that's the scorpion i mean there's other encounters in trinidad um because we spend there so long uh, you know, yeah. um, you wrote the, some... the one of the few field guides on reptiles, amphibians of Trinidad and Tobago, right? Yeah, it's a second edition. It's led by John Murphy, who's like mm. the person who started it, has started it, or his um, he's traveled many, many times to 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 Trinidad and Tobago, and I work regularly with him. He's a great guy, and I actually met him in in Arizona this this summer for the film. So cool! So I was very. <laughs> Very, very happy. Yeah, so we, we got this guide out. Um, but I mean, all credit to him. He, he did most of the job. He's, right, he's, he's right. amazing. Well, you spent yeah. a lot of time there anyway. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we found lots of um, new species of snakes. Uh, also, Tupinambi's big lizard uh, and frogs, which are very mm. difficult to find in the jungle. Because um, mm. they're very you know cryptic and conspicuous and difficult to find. Um, this frog, uh, we took us maybe like three expeditions to find it. We could hear it calling from yeah, a swamp, yeah. from a swamp. And but when you approached it, it would just disappear under the water and just could not find it. And wow. um, it took us many trips. It was four, no, a six hour round trip to go to this swamp. And this frog was only found in 1994, only one individual, one really? male. Yeah. And for 10 years, we could not find it. Nobody Only could find the sound. It. Only it could hear a frog calling and would think it was that one. And mm -hmm. after three years trying, at least myself, to, to capture it, uh, just had to go into murky, swampy, black water. And you have to understand this, you know, there's Featherlands, there's, there's pit vipers there, there's, there's, there's caimans, there's, yeah. <laughs> you've got to, you know. <laughs> you <laughs> never tropical been, swamp. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, heavily populated with everything and um you would hear the males calling and suddenly they disappear and there were some islets like little islands on top of yeah. in the swamp very small with lots of roots and mud and suddenly i realized that the males would call just by the roots of these little islets mm -hmm. and when you approach they would stop calling and disappear so i figured out that the only find the only way to get this animal was actually yeah. putting my whole hand in the burrows and trying to grab over whatever was in there 
that's a bit dangerous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so the, my first response, I put my whole hand in the barrel. It's so full of mud and it's murky water. It's half, half is in the water, half is outside. So you just can't see what's going on. Uh -huh. You put your whole arm and you feel something. But your first, something moved and touched my arm. The first thing you do is pull out, obviously, <laughs> because you, you don't know if it's a snake. You don't know what the hell it is. And, and I, after a while, I actually took the courage to just grab whatever that was. Mm -hmm. you, you can imagine. You don't know what that And just pull it out. And I managed, yeah, and uh, I managed to find four frogs and the first ever female captured. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, another. So thing. you did that trick multiple times with the uh, yeah, blind, blind grabbing stuff. A whole morning doing that and wishing for the best, not to get a <laughs> whatever it may have been, you know, a tarantula or maybe oh, a, yeah. a, a, a snake, you know. Mm. And um, yeah, well, I was lucky, <laughs> so I, I managed to pull four out. But of course, I had to dig in my arm and dozens of burrows and just feel for whatever that was inside yeah. and no wonder nobody could find this thing because nobody was going to do that very no. few <laughs> my students refused <laughs> to do it like i said okay you guys now you know how you do it when i called the first one they all refused and no way i'm not <laughs> yeah no they're, <laughs> they're not probably do smarter than you uh, Mike. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> less uh leptodactylus nisiotus this is possibly the greatest challenge we had there. Mm. yeah yeah, cool. And, those are pretty big frogs, usually, right? I mean, it can be. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they actually, yeah. Uh, it's a fan. It's a group of frogs. They lay foam, mm -hmm. floating foam, and they put the eggs and the tadpoles hatch inside the foam. Yeah. But with this species, nobody's ever found how it breeds. Never. There's never. Okay. never nobody's ever found a tadpole. So it's a mysterious animal, and it's only found in this one swamp in the south of Trinidad this little peninsula and the swamp is small it's maybe like five thousand square meters that's it nowhere else wow it's unbelievable wow yes. wow yeah a aspiring yeah. So, so biologists a... pay attention yeah this is just many of mysteries and still there ah oh, that's yeah. a, i mean the only people i know that stick their hand down burrows to grab stuff are people working in madagascar because they know there is nothing venomous there Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, nothing dangerous. I mean, there's some scorpions there and some okay. spiders, but nothing that will kill you. But yeah, right. otherwise it's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, no, it's not you wise. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was also with my flip-flops there and I was stung by something. I think it was a, maybe a scorpion or a spider and my foot was like a balloon for like three days or oh. it's full of, it's still full of creepy crawlies. Well, you know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> No, anyway, so yeah, it's Trinidad, yeah. Um <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and, and so uh you had the first female, you described it, I presume, yeah. and that all was uh... and also then we just we took them to the lab alive, we studied them for weeks oh, okay. and we recorded the calls and we published it more than one paper. And one paper was uh when they are mad, they have this distinctive call. So we actually published as well that they have different calls, the mating calls and maybe male-male competition and then what we call an aggression call. Cool. Um, but even in the lab, we had them in huge tanks. You cannot you can never see them. They were just hiding in the mud. It's mm. even in the in you know, if you knew they were in a one square meter tank, and it would <laughs> yeah. take you a while to to 
find the, the, the frog. They're extremely elusive animals, extremely mm-hmm. elusive animals. Yeah, so, um, oh. and then, yeah. So some <laughs> of the stories of Trinidad, you know. Yeah, no, and uh, you know, to to know anything about an animal, you need to first find it. Um, that's uh, pretty basic. <laughs> yeah, so uh, well, yeah, ah. yeah, that was a, a very rewarding uh, event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 and and then to be able to study it in the lab and 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 get all that data out of it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You you increase the knowledge of that particular species by a lot, I imagine. Yeah, and it's extremely, you know, it's an endemic. I mean, mm-hmm. we found other frogs, like golden tree frog of Trinidad, which is mm-hmm. one of the rarest frogs in the planet. It really? lives in, yeah, it lives in two summits, in Tukushan, in the cloud forests. And this uh-huh. is like, uh, I think in the EDGE uh, website, the EDGE is mm-hmm. A-D-G-E. Is that EDGE? Yeah. Uh, this is the rare evolutionary species. Uh, this frog is like number 18 in the world as the, one of the rarest evolutionary species in the world. Oh, cool. It's only found in two mountaintops in Trinidad. Uh-huh. And recently they found a population in Venezuela. Oh. And it lives on a giant bromeliad, only in that bromeliad. Nowhere else, the yeah, type of yeah. feeds on the microalgae. So Trinidad is fascinating because it has this, these, and this is a monogenous animal. It's the only species of its genus. It's called Phytotriadus. It's extremely oh, well. rare. And that's I, it. There's no I, other close relatives anywhere. First time I hear of it too. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. Cool. And you also spent some time in Venezuela, right? I mean, you've, you've yeah. had some trips um, there. Uh, I mean, I had one trip from my PhD. Um, we mm-hmm. I had to go and fly over and meet uh, some researchers, local researchers, to look for this dendrobatid frog, which I rather, I, I guess, you're aware of with because you 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 published with dendrobatids, haven't you? Your early work. I think so. Have I? You, <laughs> I, I think you have a well, the big paper of dendrobatids, isn't it? I think. No, I, I may be on. I may be on uh, on a few papers, but you know, I just did a few bit of sequencing. I okay. Actually, I thought maybe you. Maybe it's I got a it wrong. Sad thing as a as a grad student, you're in the lab, you know, going through right. people's people like you go to the field, get all these fancy frogs, and then the, I get in the lab. I got to uh, to analyze well, the DNA, but you get the well, final story. <laughs> these days, I do that. To be honest, uh, my expeditions uh, to Trinidad were quite some time ago now i have amazing collaborators they send me the tissues they are maybe you know from venezuela or trinidad they mm. have been working much more than i have there so now i i rely on their expertise and they ship me the tissues and i i'm like you i'm doing the genetics and writing <laughs> the story right so all credit to them for sure um yeah. venezuela yeah so i was working on this dendrobatic it's called manofrine Mm-hmm. Uh, Trinitatis from Trinidad is an endemic species of frog, and Beautiful frogs very colorful. Yeah, yeah, but this one is the dark one. It's actually oh, okay. this one is uh, okay. It's the non pretty one, unfortunately for me. <laughs> uh, but I actually most of my PhD was on this frog. Okay, and uh, it was believed to occur in the north of Venezuela in this beautiful place called the Paria Peninsula, and so we we ran some genetic work, and we actually realized that the animal in Venezuela was a different species. So we called it Manofrine venezolensis, very original. Nevertheless, we 
wanted to find a species called Manofrine hermini, which uh, is closely related to the Trinidad and the northern Venezuelan species. For this, I flew from Trinidad. I got a little airplane, you know, the propeller airplanes, and I flew oh. to Caracas. And from yeah. Caracas, I got another little propeller plane, and and I flew down south to Maturin, I think it was. It's in the jungle. And uh, this trip was terrible. This this little airplane, it, it, it had seen better days. Um, <laughs> you could see the rust everywhere. And I remember all my life that this guy from Galicia, I don't know what he was doing in the airplane. It was about two or three people, that's it, in the airplane. Mm-hmm. Me and this, maybe, I think the stewardess and this this guy. This guy was praying because the plane was jumping and it was terrible and the clouds <laughs> would come in the airplane it was freezing cold inside and wow. he was oh, oh what why am i here why am i here my life my job is not worth it this is not worth it this he was cursing all the tree i was like oh christ <laughs> anyway so basically this is a strip of land in the jungle like this we just mm. land and this thing is hot and the the guy from Galicia is just thank you Lord thank you thank you it's just <laughs> so thankful to be alive you know it's like okay here we go fantastic and um, so I've got a huge rucksack because I'm going to meet some local researchers to go and look for this frog mm-hmm. and they know where to find it in the jungle it's, it takes about three days of uh, two days of trekking to mm-hmm. through rivers to actually go to the summits where they are found wow of course I. I, I I end up walking to a, what you would call a little a little airport, but it's not it's not an airport. It's like a room, and they ask me, "What are you doing here?" And I said, "Well, I'm a researcher. I'm doing my PhD, and I'm coming to work." They I, I presume this is a high drug area or mm. you know a conflict uh, zone and. I immediately I get a paramilitary with machine guns pointing at me. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh dear, <laughs> oh, you know, maybe I should have said something different. And so they put me in a room. It's kind of a detention room. I'm close there. And uh I don't know what's gonna to happen to me. They they take my passport, they take my rucksack, they leave me there, they close me in. I'm I i do not know how long uh, hours wow. I was I was there and I I'm cool. young, I'm Why? you know. I'm, I mean, I know because <laughs> it's just very suspicious um, that mm. you know you have this this European in the middle of nowhere yeah. uh, alone with no local researchers and so on. Okay, so I don't know how long, how much. The so time they were detained in the middle of nowhere in a uh, yeah in yeah the middle of the but, jungle. <laughs> yeah, but this weird dressed military, which I don't don't know who they are they don't mm. seem like national military it's just like i i don't know it's it's yeah. I, I i'm confused right because i yeah. was expecting a normal airport i was expecting a little town you know <laughs> um uh, you know if somebody stamps your passport you just walk through yeah and i was looking forward to it and, and i realized oh okay this is really not what i thought it was going to be <laughs> so <laughs> wow. And basically, and you were very young then, right? You were a PhD student. You were, yeah, this is like, yeah, Yeah. second year PhD or third year PhD. I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, I I was 
not the youngest. I did my PhD kind of late in life. Maybe I was mm. 28. But oh, even okay. so, you, yeah. uh, you're not prepared to for... for... <laughs> <laughs> Basically, so after a while, they uh, take me out and they lay on this big table and they put my rucksack on the table and there's mm -hmm. three or four guys pointing at the rucksack with a gun and another one, me, and they asked me to open and take everything out. Yeah. And of course, they have ependotes to preserve the samples, tweezers, alcohol, or uh, ethanol. You know, I have all the equipment. So kind of they start maybe believing my story that I'm coming <laughs> for research. So they told me to pack everything in my big rucksack and they walked me through a room. And this I will never forget. It's like in the movies of Narcos, when you see, you open the room and you have, I have to picture this room. It's like an old table and mm -hmm. a, a chair. And there's this guy who looks like in the movies on Narco, Narcos, a drug dealer, you know. He's got a sweat, a weight, a tight sweat vest on, you know, and he's got big belly, all stained. Yeah. He's got his moustache and he's smoking a cigar. He's like, <laughs> and he's holding his passport, my passport, with his left arm. And you have this old fan, just, you know, which is right. all just get, getting a bit of, Air. He's so sweaty, and you know, it's one. <laughs> and he's holding the passport in the air, my passport, and he's just smoking the cigar and just kind of thinking about something. Right. And I'm like at the door, and uh, I'm just thinking, okay, oh this is it. This is Ooh. what happens in the movies. You know, <laughs> they're not going to get killed, or yeah, and that's me done. My whole life is hand is in his hand, his passport. Mm. If he my passport. If it decides to yeah, break but... the passport or throw it, I'm done. I, I'm never getting out. And so he, he calls me and he's just like that, come. And to his surprise, I speak Spanish fluently, ah. mm. even though my name says Michael J. Jowers. So this is a, oh, he's, what the, he says, what are you doing here? You know, mm. in English, I think it was. And then I started speaking Spanish. And I said, look, I'm coming for, for a frog. He could not believe it. Said, what? You're coming for a frog? <laughs> said, yes, I'm coming to get this frog. Really? You're flying from the UK to Trinidad to Caracas here for a frog? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he was like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, this, <laughs> this guy is crazy. So then he asked me, okay, who's picking you up? Uh, who are you working with? Uh, what does a frog look like? You know, everything. Oh, so yeah, I explained, yeah. and he loved the story. That, I can't believe it. You and <laughs> so that's, he said, that's, that's fantastic. And he just let, he just did something to my passport, gave it back to me, mm -hmm. all the guys to accompany me out. And, and okay. several hours later, I met up with the researchers outside the, the, the airport. And I was like, <laughs> thank you for the frog, you know? And, uh, <laughs> He was just amused by it. Like he was um, like, he thought it was fantastic. Fantastic. You know, I'm sure he was, <laughs> he went home that day and told his family that this guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess to... there's not a lot happening there at that little airport every day. Nothing, right? I no. mean, you were the craziest thing to come by there. Yeah. <laughs> in a long time. So, <laughs> so I was, I was very blessed to get the out of that place and to survive mm. that little airplane thing. It's like a, 
it's like a little dragonfly, you know, the the, the air airport um airplane. It was just this is it was so dodgy. <laughs> Anyways, so and cool. obviously yeah. we didn't find the frog. We uh-huh. went to hell and back to find the uh, sleep Painted deprivation. Uh-huh. We're sleeping in hammocks, eaten alive by mosquitoes. And I I I it's the only time in my life that I I had to call it quits and say, I cannot carry on. I have to stop. I'm going to faint. That's the only time in my life that I, my body was to its limit. And uh, wow. we didn't find, we couldn't make it. I couldn't, we didn't find the frog. Anyway, so. Wow. No, but that's. Uh, <laughs> Never yeah. found it. Yeah. How, so, how long did you anyway. spend there on the mountain looking for it? Oh, it wasn't long. Maybe it was like a five days a week but i was it's long enough to kill you (laughs) yeah Yeah. i was asleep deprived not sleeping at night the mosquitoes were just going for me like crazy and uh i was sleeping one hour a night um the diet was terrible having yucca dry yucca with tuna not to have uh diarrhea uh it was not it was not right and um yeah uh, my colleagues eventually found the frog but i think it took us like another year or something like that Okay, yeah. it's a good thing you didn't stay around for that. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, you know. Um, so was the guy disappointed when you came back and uh, didn't have oh, a I never saw him again. I never oh, saw him again. Okay. No, no, I, I flew out through another airport. Uh, okay. I think it's, they dropped me off in Caracas. and I, I, don't mm. I don't remember where, I just out somewhere different right 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 yeah <laughs> otherwise it would have detained you because you couldn't show a frog yeah yeah they were gone. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah that was um uh, a defeat uh, let's say never finding the it's, it's happened many times i've failed in martinique to find a dendrobatil as well mm. uh, i failed to find a snake again in another uh, sometimes they're, they're just gone they just can't find them no, yeah. I, I know. I mean, I've seen the, the really cool documentary on Ushuaia TV. Oh, yeah. You, you guys going to uh, to Diamond Rock, which yeah. is a small, almost vertical island just sticking out of the out of the uh, tropical sea uh, to find a snake there. But yeah, that was that was um, one of the hardest expeditions ever, for sure. Um, mm. I think nothing prepares you for that. We. Me and my good friend, um, Stefan Ko, is a French researcher. We worked together in Doniana Biological Research Station in Seville. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we, we wrote a paper about this snake, this believed to be extinct, Leophis cursor. This is a colubrid snake. And uh, we managed to get some samples from, from the Natural History Museum in Madrid, uh, sorry, in Paris. And mm-hmm. uh, I managed to sequence some genes and okay. put it put it in an evolutionary tree and we published a little nice paper. And this snake is was believed to be extinct, but there was reports mm. that after the introduction of the mongers in the island of Martinique in the Caribbean, yeah. the, the snake population had been decimated, extinct. Mongers eat, predate on snakes. Yeah, but, famously. Yeah. Exactly. And they're a huge problem in the Caribbean. But this small islet maybe like 300 meters off the coast of Martinique, hasn't got mongoose. And mm. the last reports and the last captured individual, which I sequenced, I, I believe, was captured from this little island okay. in 1962. Ooh, that's so, a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the last time that 
an animal was captured, uh, a specimen of Leofis cursor, Leofis cursor. That's it. Yeah. So we thought, hey, what about going to this place mm-hmm. and seeing if the animal is still there? It would be fascinating. Yeah. And we we got funding. I think I'm not sure it was through National Geographic or, and I think no, maybe another organization. And we actually led an expedition there. Mm. And um, to look for the snake. Now, yeah. we stayed in a house preparing the expedition for three weeks and in the island of Martinique, which is a very nice island. It's, you know, it's a belongs to, to, to France. It's very, all very comfortable, beautiful. Yeah. And from the house, we could see diamond rock. Right. So we had the binoculars and we could just plan. Oh, okay, interesting, you know. We prepared traps, 40 traps that we released, that we put in the, the island, in the mm-hmm. Diamond Rock eventually. And we were organizing for three weeks. It was wow. me, my colleague, and a cameraman yeah. from Canada, who okay. Alex who came to film uh, because we were going to do a documentary out of it. Mm-hmm. And basically, we um, got a boat to take us there. And you, you you have to bear in mind there's no water in this island. And we have a filming equipment, uh, cameras, well, you name it. Yeah. Yeah. So we are taking, I don't know, 500 kilos of equipment. I mean, just the water, I think we took 600 liters. You know, you can't be there without water. Nobody lives there. Uh, the food, in hammocks, we're going to sleep on hammocks in the caves and Mm-hmm. So we load the car four in the morning, go to the port, load everything in the boat, and from a distance, it, everything looks nice. Like okay, this is going to be easy, you know. It's nice. Yeah, little island, three hundred meters island. away from from yeah. civilization. Like, How bad? No can big it be? deal. <laughs> no big deal. I've done this before. Done. Oh, and we go with a climber. Actually, oh. the first day we take a professional climber. Mm. To open and lead, put the the, the ropes so we nice. can actually move yeah. around the island. So we get there, and as we're getting closer, Stefan and I look, look to each other, and we realize, oh my word, what are we? This is impossible. It's a sheer wall. This thing. Uh-huh. We're not. You have to bear in mind, we're not climbers. We've been doing climbing for the last weeks to train, but we're not professional climbers. You know. And we don't know how to work the equipment properly. This has just been mm-hmm. given to us the night before. We get we get there, and, <laughs> and this the is boat, a sheer, sheer yeah, rock face. This island, I mean, <laughs> it's terrible. It's just, and it's one of those times when you realize, okay, maybe I've I've chewed on too much that I can swallow. This is too much, <laughs> you know. And of course, the boat is trying to get to the to the the landing dock, let's say, where we're going to start mm. releasing, uh, putting all the equipment, but this thing, this boat is moving up and down, the waves are hitting. And basically we have to download, unload all the, all just the water, it's like 600 liters. Yeah. And through, just there's a rope, an old rope on the, on the, on the side of the wall, we just hang into that, with all the equipment and we there's one cave we start putting everything in one cave at mm-hmm. one point stefan who is blind as a bat loses his glasses 
and they fall to the sea. So I have to dive and look for them. And so I had to go like down eight or 10 meters. And luckily they were hanging on the wall on top of a sea urchin. Oh, And I managed because otherwise he would have been blind. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the beginning, you know, and it was, it's exhausting. And we download like hundreds of kilos of equipment and food and you name it. Mm-hmm. And this is camp one. And then from there, we have to take some equipment to the next camp. And this is, again, you have to go through like a forest open with machetes and to to leave a second camp, mm-hmm. which is where we have the food and most of the water and the hammocks. And then it's when the climbing starts. And then you have to climb maybe 100 meters or 120 meters to go to the cave where we're going to sleep because there's no other way to other place to sleep down uh, down in the base there's no beach there's no sand it's all lava or when it's not rock and yeah. it's 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 full of it's mosquitoes it's 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 going to rain so you need cover yeah most of all the expensive filming equipment little did i know that after the the climber uh, I think it's called Laurence. I don't remember. He he prepares the lines because the mm-hmm. old lines were just all breaking, broken. Just to get to the cave, I remember thinking, "How am I going to? How are we going to do this? This is just terrible. It's so hard, so hard, so heavy." Anyway, mm-hmm. so and then um, <clears throat> we had to do many trips to go to the cave. It's an hour each way just to go mm-hmm. up another. 45 minutes to go down. And it, I remember clearly being exhausted after 16 or 18 hours the first night. And we're going to cook and we forgot the gas, uh, the, the gas valves at the very oh, first. No. So I, we had to, to eat. climb all the way down again. No, we just, it was night. So we just, ate. we didn't have the strength. So we just, ate, uh, you know, packet noodles, the dry oh, yeah. stuff. That's what we ate. That's that water. <laughs> yeah, the raw. Yeah, yeah. That's what we had. Oh. <laughs> and, so basically, we went to look for this snake. And this island used to be, in the Napoleonic Wars, it was an English colony. Mm-hmm. And the French fought to take it back. And after a long campaign, they managed to take it. And nobody had ever spent more than one night in this place until me and Stefan went, which is... Wow. It, it's funny because the English fought the French for so long. Yeah. And it was two years later than a French scientist, my Stefan, and myself, English, actually went together mm. to try and look for a snake for conservation, which That's is, very cool. yeah. you know, we made peace. We made peace. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, this reports that um, when the English lived there, it was uh, absolutely full of uh, snakes. Okay. Because they had a they built a pool with fresh water mm. and then there were snakes. But when the pool cracked and the mm. water, the fresh water disappeared, the the the, the populations of snake populations disappeared. Right. So we, we spent 10 days uh, there. It was it was uh it was hard and it's full of cacti as well, which is so odd. Like mm. huge spiny cacti, like <laughs> and uh we 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 didn't find it. We actually went back three years later. You're right. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. We Ah. we had to go twice to the the technology had changed since the first edition of the documentary Mm -hmm. to 
and now it's drones. So we had to go back with another team and use drones, and we still couldn't find the snake. Uh, oh. We never, we never found it. Mm. Unfortunately, the snake, the snake uh, is it's possibly extinct. So and wow! So that specimen that you sequenced from the museum may have was been the last, the last one. The thing is, oh. there's local myths by fishermen that they still see the snake there. We went to Martinique in the market and everybody was saying, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen the snake oh, sure. passing on the rocks and the, all these stories, you know, that, mm. that was like five years ago. So, but it's, it's obviously not true. It's, it's basically just myth now, you know? Yeah. And, and it was, it was, it was very, I mean, it was a, a good experience, but then the, the sheer size of this world. And also, mm. nobody told us you're gonna have to be climbing 16 hours a day, and <laughs> like not so heavy. no, yeah. we fortunate enough to be healthy and fit. But yeah. maybe somebody that hasn't got upper strength, they could. I'm I'm not seeing. I don't know how they would do this. And no, I I mean, uh, having seen that that island on 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 the documentary is just a, a bit of rock sticking out straight from the sea. It's yeah. kind of vertical on top. Until yeah. it's up and yeah, covered with nasty spiny. Yeah. So, yeah don't let the uh, tropical island biologists think. Yeah. This is tough. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was fantastic. It was a beautiful place, and you can see Martinique at night from there. And mm. um, and there's obviously some you know funny stories. We we took uh, three liters of punching rum, but we had no ice and no lime, so we just drink it straight. And that wasn't a good idea because we got very intoxicated one night and you're by a cliff and uh, you need <laughs> yeah. to go to the loo very quickly and <laughs> you're looking for a spot and everybody's looking for a spot at the same time and um you know and, and you know it's it, it's kind of nasty and you would go to the toilet but there's very limited places so you can only go once to the same spot mm. you cannot repeat right yeah, <laughs> you cannot yeah. cover you can, it or anything cannot so, dig, so it's all rock yeah yeah so <laughs> yeah, so three liters of rum, and it's actually over seventy-five percent alcohol with no, no lime, no, yeah, ice. Yeah. Not not a good idea when you terrible, dehydrate. Terrible idea, Mike. <laughs> terrible idea. <to laughs> but that was like our thing at the end of the day was like mm. let's have a a, a rum, and mm. even though it felt like terrible, it was like it's going to be that and we i think we we drank it all actually or most of it <laughs> and then obviously to have a swim or to clean yourself you had to climb all the way down mm. to come base one and there we would swim and we had some emergencies like the director that the person who was filming mm. suddenly went down he came up and his eye was so red like a vein had burst inside the eye and it, it looked like a complete not pink i mean red like to oh, blood yeah. so we had to leave a day soon go straight to the hospital mm. and stefan i think cracked a vertebrae or something and uh, wow. so yeah so we from there we had to go straight to the hospital and you, you can imagine how we smelled or how we looked you know and <laughs> there we are we like it was not good like smelly and you know wearing the same clothes for 10 days is yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. anyway but um it was, uh, yeah, we couldn't that, find it like like other species as we can't find them. It's yeah, to... that, that's very sad, isn't it? That uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of human uh, introduced animals uh, yeah. cause problems everywhere. Yeah, yeah, mm. but um, yeah, and um, this was the Martinique. I went again 10 years before that. I think I went to Martinique with a 
with a colleague of mine, uh, and um, we were on the main island. We were looking for a dendrobatic frog, and yeah, we yeah. just went for went for a quick swim in the sea at night. It was very hot, and she got stung by a jellyfish. Okay, and we're in the middle of nowhere. We're sleeping in a cabin in the forest somewhere. We have no car until the day afterwards, and mm. suddenly she's choking. Ooh, uh, yeah, and a real was, strong reaction. Yeah, yeah. Basically, she had a terrible. I thought I don't know. She's going to die. This and she was yeah. freezing cold, and so I had to put like six blankets on her and I, you know, kind of hugging her all night, and she was still freezing. She's having a, a shock, so I gave her antihistamines, wow. and she had like a burn on her back, and it was. It, I oh, thought wow. she was not going to make it, and we were, thank God we had so many. Like she took like three or four antihistamines, and uh, that was my first experience in in Martinique and looking for this entrobatia. And then she was too sick to help me, so we we ended up four days, but we couldn't find the entrobatia frog. It's just. It's, I needed two people, and she was too sick. And uh, bless her. Yeah, so it's not her well, fault. <laughs> at that point, you're just grateful she survived, right? I mean, uh... yeah. So <laughs> basically, I've been three times to Martinique to mm. look for two species, and I never found them. Uh, so, would do you <laughs> want to go back at some point, or uh... I don't know. I, I think maybe Martinique. Uh, it's I, my strike of, of lucky lucky strikes there has been yeah. Limited. <laughs> Three trips, nothing to show for. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, you've traveled a lot of places. Are there places you still want to go? Is there something that's on your top of your list? Of course. I mean, there's so many. I, I actually want to go to Trinidad. I haven't been there in, in hmm. since 2004. That's the last time. 20, 19 years ago. Imagine. Okay. Yeah. I need to go back there. I've, I've been. Um, I would like to do some other Caribbean islands for sure. Um, Northern Venezuela is extremely interesting, but it's too dangerous. Mm. Um, yeah, Venezuela some... is just the, the most biodiverse country in the world. It's amazing. There's so much there, yeah. Um, but um, recently we did another expedition in Cape Verde. We, mm. we spent a week in uh, St. Lucia. It's a non-habitable it's uninhabitable. And uh, we, we went to do a species inventory there for a week. We moved it throughout the island. That was pretty cool. Um, hmm. um, we lost most of the water when we were landing the first time. The zodiac is almost flipped in the waves. So we you have to bear in mind the solution is like a, an island, a volcanic island, and there's no shade. Oh. So there's no trees. There's no yeah. cover. There's nothing, which... We kind of knew, but until you're there, you don't realize how, <laughs> how much you need shade. Yeah. And it was it was unbearably hot, and uh, we lost most of the water, so we had to rush in the water. When they came to pick us up, we had like a liter left. Me and Stefan again, Ooh. and yeah, that was really bad. And um, every three days, we move like five kilometers from the from the north of the island, then we move to the center, and then to the south. And I remember the first night we camped on a beach and uh, there was a local guard there. And I said, can I, can we camp here? Yeah. And he said, yeah. I said, are you sure the waves will not hit us here? Because it's not, it's all rock. So it's mm. the only place where you can put the tent. I said, no, no, the water never comes here. I said, are you sure? Yeah. So it's four <laughs> o'clock in the morning and suddenly I'm sleeping in my tent and I hear a wave just hitting my tent. 
and <laughs> taking me in my tent, you know. Oh. I was like, I'm shouting, Stefan, get out. <laughs> so you know, we're looking for the sip, and there we are. The ocean is just hitting us. And we had to, uh, we got out, luckily. Everything is soaking yeah. wet. Four o'clock in the morning, first day of the expedition. Oh, I was like, oh, this is not good, you know? <laughs> oh, that's a really bad start. Yeah. And, and, and you know, um, yeah. were you able to communicate that somebody would come pick you up? or No, you... actually, no. We, no, we, I mean, the cell phones did work occasionally, but we actually managed to, to be okay. We rushed everything and we were fine. And it all worked very well at the end. Um, ah. But then the, I remember the, I took a, a sheet, a white sheet that's going to, do like a, a insect trap with a with a light behind for nocturnal animals to, to capture uh, insects. Invertebrates. We're doing an invertebrate uh, survey first mm -hmm. in the island, and we're putting traps to to capture insects. And we luckily, luckily, we took this sheet that we could put between the two tents, and it was basically one and a half square meters, and we could be there sitting in the shade, <laughs> like in the Hard part of the day that when it's the, the sun is scorching down, yeah, because you could not be in the tent. The tents are this polyester, yeah. it's just an, an oven. So, and I remember just being there, just, just praying for a cloud to come or something. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, no yeah. shade for a week, it's not ideal. And Ooh. so, that's the, the last expedition we did about two years ago with Stefan, and now. We are actually trying to go back and do some other islands. Uh, look for okay. Do, yeah, that, yeah. do so, that again. Why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? But this time I'll, I'll take some other. <laughs> yeah, bring a hat maybe. <laughs> I'm gonna take a big um, red eye. You know the ones you take to the beach, one of those yeah. or something. <laughs> and then yeah, That's so this awesome is um, yeah, yeah, and so many other things I would like to do, of course. But there's mm. a lot of time, is there? No, yeah. no. But uh, well, I know you are keeping very busy. Uh, going everywhere well, and with science we, we, and conservation and taxonomy. Yeah. yeah, we try. We try not to get too bored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, basically, yeah, in a nutshell, that's kind of uh, what I've been doing and uh, some of those, you know, stories. Uh, yeah, no, fantastic. I know you yeah. have a lot more where that comes from. Yeah, there's many, you know, you, you, you get stopped at gunpoint often in those places. And, uh, you know, this, this, we got stopped at gunpoint once, you know, in, a, oh? uh, in the jungle. We were looking for frogs and these guys wanted our money. And uh, anyways, we oh, had to... So that was really like a stick up in the jungle. Yeah, I took a team and we were doing... In Mountain Benedicts, we had these traps and frogs would deposit tadpoles on the little... Not traps, on the little plastic containers and we were standing there for three months and this guy just with a shotgun just came along and uh, mm -hmm. I knew he was he was you know he wanted no good so I just walked straight to him and I said what, what are you doing here with a gun and kind of broke the ice and yeah. uh, what's your name he said oh, my name's Lewis uh, what are you doing here with a gun and I'm looking for anaconda he said oh interesting interesting I knew there was no anaconda in that part mm. of the island so I knew he was lying and we said bushmeat. You like you want to eat it? Yeah, yeah, bushmeat, bushmeat. Yeah, okay, mm. okay. So I, I told my team we we picked up everything, and I told my team, look, uh, but the, the students, I mean, there's this guy around. Just beware. Take a hundred dollars, Trinidad and Tobago dollars in your pockets. If he stops you, and I'm not there with you, he's given the money, so he's happy. Yeah. So yeah. I had to go down south to look for another frog, and my team went there, and they actually got stopped at gunpoint by this guy, mm. and 
and <clears throat> we knew the guy was lurking around. So when I went to remove the final stage of the experiments after three months, I had to take the police uh, with machine guns and everything. I, uh, you know, we needed wow. protection. So <clears throat> I had the option of losing the experiment for three months or yeah. taking police and saving all my data. And of course, I, 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 <laughs> I was not going to leave my data, you know, three months of work, you know, to, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, so we, we took a, a, a team of, you know, professionals. So, you know, um, police, I mean, and, you know, the guy was around, but he saw the police arriving. So he just left us and we picked up everything. And so we, but then my team was stopped at gunpoint. That was not nice. Uh, no, no, but, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you already spotted him beforehand. Well, this, and I'm sure that didn't end up in the paper, right? So these are really, no, of course, no, no, no. This is exactly what I, yeah, I love so much because, you know, that's why I started this podcast. These stories uh, behind the papers. That's yeah. that's yeah. really what makes the the biologist life uh, very interesting. Yeah. Let's let's put it interesting. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's always the the hardest part is what you never never write about. No, no, it's just it's, a little paper it's actually, about the eggs and the tadpoles and never exactly about the, and, the guy with the gun. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. and it's also you know the the funding, the months of funding mm. to to get there and. The logistics and you know you get sick uh, you get you know like everybody you know and uh, when you're there you get dengue or something like that it's not pleasant or you know and uh, but uh, Same, I suppose this is, yeah <laughs> yeah i really have to love those tadpoles to uh to do yeah. to go through all that mike um if people want to you know know what you're doing and right. uh, follow you around with your science or anything where do they go where can we uh Find more, oh, more about you. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I have a personal website. Um, you can just type my name, Michael Chowers. I will link uh, it with this podcast for sure. Right. I'll be great. Thanks. And uh, you can just uh, find me there. Um, Michael J. Chowers, Michael Joseph Chowers. And uh, it's a Wix uh, homemade, you know, <laughs> website where I kind of I put all my papers and uh some pictures of expeditions, things like that, animals. And I suppose that's just, just putting my name and Google, the website will come up. So we will find cool. you then. We will find yeah. you. <laughs> awesome. Mike, thank yeah. you very much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's, a, it's an honor. <laughs> and I, I hope you're going uh, to go around and uh, sure. survive and come back to tell us about it. Absolutely. I would love to. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thank you so much, Adi. Bye-bye. I'm talking for you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.